I'm Haley B. Miller, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the side deal edition. This week, we're talking about the big issues in Ohio Senate race, who's running in the Ohio Supreme Court primary, and why closed-door deals are a problem in the House Bill 6 case. Joining me today is our bureau chief, Anthony Shoemaker. Hey, Haley. How are you? Not in Mexico anymore. Darn. Which is regrettable, but good to be back. Before we get going, if you really enjoy listening to Ope, we'd appreciate you taking the time to leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps us make Ope better and also just makes me smile if that motivates you at all. Our first topic today is Ohio Senate primary and the big issues candidates are talking about. Believe it or not, the March 19th primary is less than a month away. That means Bernie Moreno, Frank LaRose, and Matt Dolan are in a full sprint to the finish line. The second of three debates aired on Spectrum this week, and a lot of the same topics came up that we heard in the first one. Abortion, immigration, the economy, things like that. I've also talked to the candidates separately about things like climate policies, which haven't come up as much during these debates, but is something I think are, is still pretty important to voters. Anthony, is there anything that stands out to you about their positions? One of the things that's kind of, I want to say, making kind of the, the debates kind of boring is these guys are kind of in sync on a lot of things. There's there's new, there's devils in the details. But, you know, like on, on gun policy, for example, um, I, I think that's one of the areas where there's a significant difference because uh, State Senator Dolan has backed some gun restrictions, whereas the others haven't been as forward on that. Um and then you've got like on a, on abortion, all three support some kind of like a, a national ban now, right? Uh, not, you know, but after, you know, what happened in Ohio in uh, November, I don't know how fast things are going to move on that. I mean, Moreno talked about the, what was it, a 15 week national ban, which seems to be the number you're hearing a lot around the country. Well, that's a big difference from the, the six week ban that, that Ohio past uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think 15 weeks has started coming up a lot as kind of the, quote, compromise that Republicans are putting forward now that they've realized policies like the six-week ban just aren't really... They go too far, I think, for for most uh, Americans. I'm I'm sure they've probably done some polling and found some magic number that 15 must work for them because it seems like that's the number you're hearing in not just this race, but, you know, in, in Virginia, around the around the country. Right. And you mentioned guns, which I think is one of the more interesting issues in the Senate race because of Dolan's history. But also I stumbled upon this old interview with Moreno where he said that he thought background checks made sense to ensure that gun owners aren't a threat to themselves or others. He was kind of making fun of the idea of a just sort of average person needing high capacity magazines. He was like, are you going to eat a deer with a hundred bullets in it? But now his campaign says he doesn't support any restrictions. He supports the second amendment, things like that. I do think this is a thing with Moreno in general, where he said some things, you know, two, three, five years ago and as a business leader and these kind of circles that he ran in in Cleveland. And now he's singing a different tune. Yeah, and I mean now he's endorsed by by former President Trump. He's going after uh, kind of the, the MAGA voter, and gun restrictions don't play very well with that audience if that's who you're going for. And the you know the Buckeye Firearms Association endorsed uh, endorsed LaRose and gave him high marks for um, his stance on 
gun laws over the years because, you know, he was a state senator before. Another thing that's really been a hot topic in this race, it feels like, is immigration and border security, which, you know, Ohio is not Texas, Arizona. We're not on the border, but officials say that we're feeling the effects of it because of fentanyl being trafficked in the country and things like that. And you've really seen these guys go after each other on this issue, even though they generally all say, you know, we should secure the border, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, secure the border, um, reinstate the Remain in Mexico program, some of that sort of stuff. That's really playing to the base, I think, because, you know, Fox News, a lot of the Republican talking points on talk radio, et cetera, is very border focused. I mean, that's a key issue for them in the presidential race this year. And of course, it's going to be in the Senate races all over the country, even though Ohio is not a border state. And in this Senate primary, you're really seeing a fight between the candidates over how to tackle this issue and in particular what to do with deportations. Moreno says basically anyone who entered the country should be who entered the country illegally should be deported. LaRose has waffled on this a little bit and Dolan says it's just not reasonable for the federal government to round up. 20 million people, especially when some of these people are contributing to the economy. So you have Moreno saying that, like, these guys support amnesty and that kind of thing. And it's just it's been really interesting to watch play out. Yeah. And, you know, calls to finish the wall. I mean, it's so much of that kind of what's the word I'm thinking of kind of like dog whistle fear kind of stuff that we've we saw in the last uh, the last uh, election, kind of like, you know, got to secure the border, got to b- build the wall because of fentanyl and gangs and violence and all that sort of stuff. All right. Next up is another really important race, the primary for Ohio Supreme Court. Democrats Terry Jamison and Lisa Forbes, who are both appeals court judges, are running for the chance to be on the general election ballot. The winner will take on Republican Dan Hawkins for an open seat on the court. Ohio Dems endorsed Forbes in the primary, and this is a big election for them. There are three seats up on the court this year, and they see the, they see a chance to flip the court from Republican control. And that would have a huge impact on how the abortion rights amendment is interpreted. Yeah, and I mean, right now, um, the three Democrat you know, the Democrats have three seats on the seven member court, and that's the most they've had, you know, in a really long time. But this is also going to be one of the key elections for the court where it's going to test the uh, party labels being on the ballot. You know, when when the Democrats picked up seats before the the races were nonpartisan. Now they're going to have an R.D. next to their name. It's a presidential election. Um, you know, there's also the possible there's there's the possibility, you know, if if Ohio goes Republican, like with the presidential election, is Donald Trump going to help? The Republicans possibly win all three of those um, Supreme Court seats, and then you would have uh, a seven-zero court. Yeah, I think what we saw with the abortion rights amendment in November is that it did get bipartisan support. But to your point, an issue doesn't have an R or D right. next to it, and so people may or may not realize that by voting the way they do in the court, they're ultimately affecting the abortion rights amendment. Right. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting is uh, Justice um, Joe Dieters isn't running for re-election to the seat he currently has. He's challenging uh, current um, Justice Melody Stewart. So you have two sitting justices running against each other, which creates a whole different dynamic. And in terms of like abortion laws right now, I think 
any day, we will likely see the six-week ban overturned. There's general agreement that that's unconstitutional under the new abortion amendment. But there's still a lot of laws on the books in Ohio dealing with abortion, like the 24-hour waiting period, parental consent, what to do in cases of Down syndrome and things like that. And so abortion rights advocates, if they oppose any of these laws, if they want any of these laws off the books, they're kind of going to have to take them to the courts one by one because the legislature isn't going to overturn any of this. Right. And, you know, you you saw like with um, with the attorney general talking about, you know, saying, you know, making comments like that the November ballot issue, you know, doesn't void out the the six week ban and some other stuff like that, take it, take it to court. I mean, they know that they have a pretty good chance of, uh, of having a very friendly Republican controlled court in the future, even more maybe than it is now. Also that the, the Republicans also have a big money lead in that race too. So it's going to be interesting to see what the messaging on that one is going to be. Yeah. I'll be curious how much money that these races get going into the general election, because I think increasingly Supreme court races are just becoming more and more high stakes in this era where a lot of important issues like abortion, elections are ending up before the court. And our final topic for today is the art of the side deal, specifically how Ohio's former utility regulator brokered deals with First Energy and AEP and left customers on the hook. Sam Randazzo and two First Energy executives were indicted on state charges last week as part of the House Bill 6 scandal. Randazzo kind of had a knack for controversial side deals, and that wasn't a secret. Governor Mike DeWine's staff was actually warned about this before DeWine appointed Randazzo to lead the Public Utilities Commission. The deals worked like this. The utility paid millions in rebates, and Randazzo's clients wouldn't oppose rate hikes. Prosecutors say Randazzo covered up these arrangements and ended up skimming money off the top. Man, energy policy. Yeah, no kidding. And you know these are these are deals you and I aren't going to get on our on our energy bills. Uh, so there's basically you know strength in numbers. So you know you take these big universities and big companies kind of all going in together to get these side deals. You know you're talking about millions and millions of dollars. You know so four or five million dollars goes missing. So nobody really notices. Easy to kind of skim it off the top. This is part of a lot of different charges and allegations that Randazzo is facing at this point. He was indicted on the state charges. He was indicted by the feds in December, and he's maintained the whole time that he's innocent. But First Energy admitted at some point that they paid $4.3 million to Randazzo specifically to bribe him and to ensure that the PUCO was enacting policies that worked for them. Yeah, and between uh, 2016 and 2019, First Energy paid Randazzo's uh, companies something like $13 million. And, you know, according to the indictment, he kept more than $5 million of that for himself. And it's worth noting, going back to this side deal issue, that these deals are technically legal. There are rules for disclosing them and things like that, but... For better or worse, it's part of the process. Now you're not supposed to like steal money from those deals. That part is not legal. But I'll be interested to see like if 
there's a revisiting of these arrangements and whether lawmakers have any ability to put guardrails around it. Yeah, I mean, the companies that don't disclose these deals face fines up to like $10,000 per violation per day, but the penalty has never been imposed. So not a lot of teeth there. So it will be interesting to see if lawmakers uh, do anything about that. And one more thing before you go. Early voting for the March 19th primary is underway. The hours are 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. for the next couple weeks, but that will change as the election gets closer. Visit VoteOhio.gov to get more info. And if you vote at the polls, don't forget your photo ID. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can check us out on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ohio Explained. 